My name is Blake Farley, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast, and you are listening to the May 30th reading of the One Year Bible Plan, which is what we are journeying through this year together, my friends. And uh, please let me know what your thoughts are on today's text or any of the text, uh, because I really believe that the Bible comes to life when we read it in community. And really the whole point of this podcast was to help people who had never read the whole Bible but wanted to, to have a way in which they could read the whole Bible. And um, you, you're not going to comprehend all of it at once. You're going to have a whole bunch of questions, a whole bunch of ideas, a whole bunch of thoughts. And I think the way that that comes to life is by having it read to you and then exploring what it means and talking with others about what it means to them. And that's really why we are doing this podcast. At least that's when it came to life for me personally. And I really enjoy doing this podcast, even in the midst of many technical difficulties, um, and yet I pray and hope that this series helps people for years to come read through the Bible. Now, with that said, today in the New Living Translation, as we are reading um, throughout this year in the One Year Bible Plan, we are going to begin in our Old Testament reading, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 through chapter 16. Let's jump into the text. Verse 23, 2 Samuel chapter 15. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. Then the king instructed Zadok to take the Ark of God back into the city. If the Lord sees fit, David said, he will bring me back to see the Ark and the tabernacle again. But if he is through with me, then let him do what seems best to him. The king also told Zadok the priest, Look, here is my plan. You and Abiathar should return quietly to the city with your son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. I will stop at the shallows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to the city and stayed there. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and went as they climbed the hill. When someone told David that his advisor Ephiathel was now backing Absalom, David prayed, O Lord, let Ephiathel give Absalom foolish advice. When David reached the summit of the Mount of Olives where people worshipped God, Hushai the Archite was waiting there for him. Hushai had torn his clothing, and put dirt on his head as a sign of mourning. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor, O king, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Athiaphiel's advice. Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace, and they will send their sons Ahimaaz and Jonathan to tell me what is going on. So David's friend Hushai returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. That concludes chapter 15. Now moving on to chapter 16, verse 1. When David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mehebeth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. What are these for? The king asked Ziba. Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. 
And where is Mehebeth, Saul's grandson? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, Today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything Mehebeth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May I always be pleasing you, my lord, the king. As King David came to Baharim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimi, son of Gera, from the same clan of, as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king, Abishal, son of Zerah, demanded? Let me go over and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zerah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishah and to all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. I want to pause because, wow, I wish I could treat my enemies the same way uh, David does. This guy is cursing David. And if I'm David, I'm thinking, I did right by Saul. I had opportunity to kill him several times, and I didn't. Uh, I let God do what God wanted to do. Uh, and yet this guy is saying that I stole the throne from him. No, I didn't. And in my own life, when people curse me or try to defame my name, my natural instinct is to fight back, to defend myself. And I'm sure there's a place for that, but here David doesn't do that. He says, no, like, he might be right. Maybe it's God who told him that, and I need to learn from what he is saying and, and possibly um, grow because of it. And you know, at worst, if he's cursing me, then I know God will turn it for my good. All the more for us because we believe in the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, that uh, he lived the righteous life we could not live. He died the death we deserve to die, and he rose again, uh, promising that we would share in that resurrection also. He has forgiven our sins in the past. He's given us the Holy Spirit now uh, so that we have power and purpose. He has uh, given us this future to look forward to. And in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says that if God would go through all that work, if he would send his own son to die for us, then why would he not be working out all other things for our own good? Like we, we can believe in that, uh, even when it's our enemies cursing us. And yet, if you're anything like me, you try to defend yourself. Not David. He said, I'm going to let God defend me. And I'm going to try to learn from my critics. I pray that God would give me that same spirit and you as well. Verse 14. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the army of Israel arrived at Jerusalem, accompanied by Ahithophel. When David's friend Hushai, the archite, arrived, he went immediately to see Absalom. Long live the king, he exclaimed. Long live the king. Is this the way you treat your friend David, Absalom asked him. Why aren't you with him? I'm here because I belong to the man who was chosen by the Lord and by all the men of Israel. Hushai replied, And anyway, why shouldn't I serve you? Just as I was your father's advisor, now I will be your advisor. Then Absalom turned to Phithiel and asked him, What should I do next? Phithiel told him, Go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them here to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation. 
and they will throw their support to you. So they set up a tent on the palace roof where everyone could see it, and Absalom went in and had sex with his father's concubines. Um, pausing there, that is um, a direct callback to, uh, if you'll remember, when David sinned by taking Bathsheba to be his own and had relations with her, got her pregnant, and then killed Uriah, her husband, to cover it up. Uh, one of the things that God said would happen uh, would be that David would be publicly humiliated, and um, we see that coming true here. As I said when we read that reading, uh, you can look at the incident with Bathsheba as the beginning of the downfall for David. From this point forward, everything else goes awry for him. And we see that uh, prophecy coming true there in verse 22. And finally, verse 23, Absalom followed Abithiel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Abithiel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. Key word there, seemed as wise. And we will continue this story tomorrow. That concludes our Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, John chapter 18, verse 25 through chapter 19, verse 22. And uh, as always, when we get to the end of these Gospels, I'm trying to just stay out of the way. I'm just going to read it all and allow the words to minister to you. Um, this Gospel is powerful. It doesn't need my commentary to get in the way. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this text. John chapter 18, verse 25 through chapter 19, verse 22. Verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question, or did others tell you to ask about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is the truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. That concludes chapter 18, moving on to chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and placed it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews. They mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. 
Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, and Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews. He said, Two, he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, No, what I have written, I have written. And this concludes the New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. And finally, we will be reading through Psalm 119, verses 113 through 128 in a posture of prayer. Semek, verse 113. I hate those with divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people. For I intend to obey the commands of God. Lord, sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me and I will be rescued. Then I will meditate continually on your decrees. But you have rejected all who stray from your decrees. They are only fooling themselves. You skim off the wicked of the earth like scum. No wonder I love to obey your laws. I tremble in fear of you. I stand in awe of your regulations. Amen. Don't leave me to the mercy of my enemies, for I have done what is just and right. Please, guarantee a blessing for me. Don't let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes strain to see your rescue, to see the truth of your promise fulfilled. I am your servant. Deal with me in unfailing love, and teach me your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant. Then I will understand your laws. Lord, it is time for you to act, for these evil people have violated your instructions. Truly, I love your commands more than gold, even the finest gold. Each of your commandments is right. That is why I hate every false way. 
yes, Lord, I know that your commandments are right, and um, I do hate every false way, and yet I find myself walking down false ways. Um, Lord, I, I know that uh, justice and what is right is ultimately determined by what you say. But there are times, if I'm honest, where I sin and I make myself king and I decide what I want for myself. Jesus, forgive me for this. Um, I repent. I turn from my wisdom to your wisdom. Lord, I pray that today you would be with the brokenhearted. I feel uh, an urge to pray for somebody today who is suffering immensely. And I pray that you'd be with them, comfort them in a way that only you can. Lord, we thank you for this reading and we thank you for your gospel. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining me for today's reading. Uh, let me know your thoughts on it. Let me know uh, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through this text. Very powerful um, reading today. So, hope to see you back here tomorrow as we will continue reading through the Bible together.